0: Don't get any ideas, Mr. Bond. Tishan to your court. Tishan to each other team.
1: We can do whatever we want. Nothing matters. Hello and welcome to episode twenty-six of the Complete Works Season Three: A Deep Dive into the Career and Films of Actor Michelle Yeoh. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the Yeohverse is my friend, co-host, and fellow psychopath,
0: Mike Triccio. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing just great. No longer a sick boy, living, yeah. that, living that healthy dream. It's <laughs> it's an exciting episode today. What more could I want?
1: yes no we have a movie that uh, i'm very excited to dig into also this episode will be out uh, you know we're recording this on monday march 6th uh so it'll be out the following monday which means there's a very good chance that when this episode is released michelle Yeoh will have an oscar
0: man I'm, i can't believe she won last night or <laughs> uh, she was robbed
1: what what a tragedy i can't believe anna de armis won for blonde uh, <laughs> We'll have to edit. We'll do one of
0: those things where we'll just make both uh, T-shirts and we'll just have to... (laughs) <laughs> be ready
1: for either one. Yeah, exactly. Just be if you're ready for any scenario. Yeah, uh, yeah. Michelle yo most likely won an Oscar last night, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's neat. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just guessing. I mean, and this will be out the day after the Oscars again. But uh, just wild speculation. But I think Everything Everywhere will win almost everything it's nominated for. Um, yeah, just based kinda- on based on the past few weeks, uh, where it's just been sweeping everything. Um, it, I think it won the Indie Spirit Award. It won the WGA. It won the DGA. Uh, it's it's been killing it. So yeah, it'll win Best Picture. It'll probably win Best Director. Uh, it'll win Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Kiki Kwan will win Best Supporting Actor. I think Stephanie Shu probably has a good shot at getting its Best Supporting Actress. Wow. Um, I, know, I know Angela Bassett in Black Panther 2 is also kind of a frontrunner there, but uh, who knows? Uh, so yeah, a lot of big stuff happening in the everything everywhere world, uh, but we won't talk about the movie for a few months. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then we'll have our Oscar reactions in a week. Yeah, exactly. On the other podcast, uh, Mike might go to the movies and we can talk about it here, too, because it is relevant. So we'll be doing all that. Plus, I'll I'll also just want to quickly mention that, uh, you know, this month uh, in March, Criterion Channel has posted this huge collection of Michelle Yeoh movies. That's right. uh, Called Michelle Yeoh kicks ass, uh, which is Eight of Michelle Yeoh's uh, best Hong Kong action movies, uh, all of which we have covered on this podcast in the past. It's basically uh,
0: the first eight episodes, seven ep-
1: first <laughs> seven episodes of this podcast, and then Crouching Tiger. Pretty much, yeah. So I think it's it's yes, madam. It's Royal Warriors. It's Magnificent Warriors. Uh, Police Story Three. Heroic Trio. Crouching Tiger. Uh, I believe the stunt woman is in there. Yeah, and Executioners. And the- I think right is Executioners in there. I think so. Maybe okay, not. nice. Yeah, it, it's if if not executioners, it's something along those lines. Like it's yeah. Or I think it's actually it's Wing Chun. I think is the other one. Oh,
0: fucking! That would rock if it's Wing I Chun. Mean,
1: it's got to be Wing Chun, right? That's like the biggest showcase for her as a star and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, so it, it's a weird thing where because because I've watched all of them already, I haven't actually got like, gone through the collection. Yeah, I haven't really looked because <laughs> we were like ahead of the curve on this one. But uh, if anybody is just coming to this podcast now after discovering the greatness of Michelle Yeoh from uh, the Criterion Collection uh, and also from the Oscars. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah,
0: yes. so it is uh, Heroic Trios, Executioners, the Stunt Woman oh. and Crouching Tiger.
1: Gotcha, so it's not Wing Chun in there.
0: No, that would be fucking cool as hell. Wing that. Chun did just play, I think, a, with a double, a double with
1: Tai Chi Master at uh, Beverly, uh, New Bev. Yes, yeah, I did see that, uh, which is also very cool. Glad that yeah. happened. So yeah, that that's a lot of cool Michelle Yeoh stuff happening right now, and since we are the preeminent Michelle Yeoh podcast, I figure we should probably mention that. Before. yes. <laughs> uh but today i think we are starting to enter a new phase in michelle Yeoh's career uh after crouching tiger hit in 2000s americans didn't really see her for another movie for about five years and that movie was memoirs of a geisha and memoirs though nominated for several oscars was not exactly the kind of movie that made michelle Yeoh the star that she is right she was a star in hong kong thanks to her action movies those are the ones Yeah, as stunts. We want to see some stunts. We want to see some stunts. Uh, and, you know, she had some other dramatic work in that era as well, like the Sung Sisters and things like that. Uh, but she became a name because of action movies. And then she became a name in America, also thanks to action movies uh, in Super Cop and Tamar Never Dies and Crouching Tiger. But at this point in her life, uh, she's getting a little bit older. She's in her mid 40s now. Maybe does not want to sacrifice her body every time she walks on set. <laughs> Like she's yeah. done in the past.
0: Um, uh, did you listen to her appearance on WTF with Mark Marin?
1: I actually have not. I know you did, right? Yes.
0: Very interesting. And she uh, s- spoke about her uh, injuries and like specifically what that back injury that kept her out of ballet was. And I can't believe she's alive and a human. Basically, one of her vertebra had rotated, so was no longer in alignment with the rest of her spine. Uh, oh, jeez and I think was turning her hip, I think it was one, uh, like a, a lumbar, like at the ba- base of her spine, uh, yeah. was turning her hip joint in a weird direction. So that's why she can no longer dance ballet and had to uh, get surgery to fix it. And then she talked about that, uh, the injury on the stunt woman, where basically, I think we talked about this, the doctor told her that if she had not been in such great shape and as flexible as she is, uh, she would have died because her legs went up over her like scorpion thing and touched yeah. the like in front next to her shoulders. Um, and it's, she said that it broke some of her ribs or dislocated some of her ribs cause she bent so far. So the doctor said that if you had not been as flexible, your spine would have snapped. It's <laughs> just insane. Um, just bananas. Yeah. But absolutely bananas. Um, and then she kept doing stunts, which is crazy.
1: Uh, <laughs> she kept doing stunts, but definitely like slowed down a little bit. Yeah, know? and, and uh, in, in more more safety <laughs> regulations and things yeah, like that. Exactly. I think she, and that's I think part of the uh, the pivot towards American movies here, uh, because she was trying to do her own movies for a little bit. She had her mythical films productions, and uh, that kind of fizzled out. Uh, and so she does memoirs, uh, and then you have her starting to ramp up a little bit now. She's popping up in more English language blockbusters, kind of. In- interspersed with some occasional martial arts films or historical dramas, some stuff in Hong Kong. And while that initially started with memoirs, I'd say that all really begins in earnest this week with 2007's Sunshine. Our sun is dying. Mankind faces extinction.
0: Sixteen months ago, I, Robert Kappa, and a crew of seven left Earth frozen in a solar winter. Our mission. Reignite the sun. Before it's too late. Welcome to Icarus 2. Day. He'll know we made it.
1: So, Sunshine is a science fiction thriller directed by Danny Boyle and written by Alex Garland. Uh, the pair had worked together a couple of times before on films like The Beach and 28 Days Later. Garland would go on to start directing his own movies in a few years, resulting in films like Ex Machina and Annihilation. Boyle would go on to win Best Picture at the Oscars for the film he made right after this one, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh wow! Look at that. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I think this movie is way better than Slumdog Millionaire. So I don't think I've that ever that actually
0: seen Slumdog Millionaire.
1: It's okay. Uh, it's it's fine. Yeah, Death <laughs> yeah. Patel.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: It it did give us Dev Patel that he is that is the reason why he has like you know a major American career and that's very good very yeah. very happy for that. In casting this film, Danny Boyle was inspired by Alien to have a large ensemble cast. Uh, he also wanted it to be an international cast uh, to reflect the uh, the mission's purpose on behalf of all mankind. That's sort of the idea here. Uh, the filmmakers also believe that fifty years into the future, it would be the American and Chinese space programs which would be the most developed. So the cast is largely American and Asian people. Uh, That's kind of what the conclusion they came to. Uh, One of those people is, of course, Michelle Yeoh, who was actually offered a different role in the film at first uh, than the one she plays. Yes. Uh, Actually, Danny Boyle actually wanted her to play Kaneda, the captain of the ship. Cool. Yes. uh, But she felt that she wasn't ready for that kind of part yet. She, she she said no to that part because she didn't think that she was ready for the role of captain. Uh, maybe she thought she wasn't old enough or had that like level of authority. Maybe, you know, she, this is uh one of her first English language films, really. I mean, True. I, I, I guess she had done, you know, The Touch and Silver Hawk were both in English and tomorrow. OK, maybe it's not maybe it's not one of the first, but like kind of like, yeah, <laughs> there's the first handful, first handful, first handful, first handful. Yeah. And so may, maybe she just felt like she wasn't quite there. She also mentioned uh, in an interview recently that she is the one who pointed out there was only one Asian person in the film. Uh, and so Danny Boyle and Alice Garland kind of recognized that and they were like, Oh, we should cast more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's very interesting. Thinking about the language, it's all coming back to me now that the WTF episode, uh, to go back to that, about like the language barrier and stuff. And she was talking about, you know, in Hong Kong action movies, It's sort of like the spaghetti Western situation where everybody's just speaking their own native language
1: because it's
0: going to be dubbed later on. It doesn't really matter what you're saying, but she didn't speak Cantonese. I think it was, but anyway, it was actually, this is the story about that, uh, the Guy LaRoche watch commercial thing with Jackie Chan that she, like the very first thing she filmed, they told her like, Oh yeah, Jackie Chan will be there. And she didn't know who that was because she knew his Chinese name. Uh, but not his his English name. So like right. she shows up to this commercial shoot and she's like, holy shit, it's this, it's him. Like, because he was already a big star. Uh, that's great. Which is hilarious. Um, and that just popped into my head right now. So look at that. Nice.
1: All right, cool. Yeah. Go listen to a uh, WTF with Mark Marin, a podcast that's much more popular than our, well, yeah, they
0: need our bump. The, the <laughs> yeah, complete <exactly>. works bump. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Finally, Marin's made it. So instead of playing the captain, Michelle Yeoh plays Corazon, the ship's biologist in charge of the oxygen garden, keeping her crewmates alive. Uh, Killian Murphy, star of 28 Days Later, he plays Robert Kappa, the physicist. Chris Evans, at this point, probably best known for Fantastic Four, plays James Mace, the engineer. Rose Byrne, best known then for films like Troy and 28 Weeks Later, plays Cassie, the pilot. That's uh, fun. Clint, yeah, you got days and weeks in there. It's all coming together. Uh, they never made the third one. Why Why didn't they make 28 Months Later, Mike? I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's uh, one of those things that's just sort of always talked about and then like always rumors that somebody's working on it and it just right. hasn't come out.
1: Yeah, it never, never really comes together. I've actually never seen 28 Weeks Later either.
0: It's uh, very different from the first one, but I really like it.
1: Okay, nice. Good to know. Maybe we should do that in a future Mike Makes Mike Watch. Yeah, Uh, there you go. Next year when we have to fill out that one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So yeah, she's in this uh, Cliff Curtis from films like Three Kings and Training Day. He plays Searle, the ship's doctor, uh, Troy Garrity from Barbershop plays Harvey, the communications officer. Benedict Wong, who now appears in every MCU project <laughs> uh, as Wong, uh, he plays uh, Trey, the navigator. Chipo Chung from Into the Badlands and His Dark Materials is the voice of Icarus, the ship. Mark Strong from Kickass and Kingsman, uh, he plays Pinbacker, the insane captain from the original Icarus ship. And Hiroyuki Sanada ultimately played Kaneda the captain of the ship and the role that was originally gonna go to Michelle Yeoh and that makes this a Royal Warriors reunion man
0: this is the the, gotta be the longest delay between reunions we've had
1: I think that that was like episode four of the podcast so yeah yeah yeah, probably uh yeah Royal Warriors reunion cool to see that now streaming on Criterion channel by the way also Alex Garland's wife uh, Paluma Biza makes a brief appearance as Kappa's sister at the end of the movie.
0: Oh, I was like this look this has got to be somebody
1: yeah. <laughs> the sister at the end. <laughs> yes, and there it is. Uh, so Sunshine was written by Alex Garland who would next write the screenplay for 2010's Never Let Me Go and most recently directed Men in 2022 and it was directed by Danny Boyle 3 years after his previous film 2004's Millions and 1 year before Slumdog Millionaire. His most recent film was 2019's Yesterday, the the movie that questioned What if the Beatles didn't exist, but you knew that they existed and you made all their songs?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that was a Danny Boyle movie.
1: It was, yeah. It was directed by Danny Boyle, written by Richard Curtis, uh, writer of Love Actually and About Time. And uh, I think we covered, uh, he wrote uh, The Tall Guy on the Goldblum podcast uh, as well. Uh, generally, I'm I'm generally a Richard Curtis fan. I am somewhat, like I think Danny Boyle is kind of hit or miss, but when he hits, I really like his stuff. Case in point, Sunshine. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday is a big whiff for me. I am not a fan of yesterday. <laughs>
0: mm. And I never saw that uh, That Steve, was it just Jobs? Is that right?
1: Uh, no, so Danny Boyle did Steve Jobs. He ah. did the full name, uh, which is the one with Michael Fassbender. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, the other one was just called Jobs, and that was the Ashton Kutcher one. Uh, both came out within like a year of each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I never saw Steve Jobs.
1: Steve Jobs is pretty good. I like Steve Jobs. Uh okay. Steve, Steve Jobs, uh, which was directed by Danny Boyle, written by Aaron Sorkin, uh, takes like a really interesting structure to it where it's it takes place over the course of like three like big Apple conferences. So instead of like right. doing you – know, instead of doing Steve Jobs' his whole life like all in one movie, like Jobs presumably does. I've never seen it, but I think this is how it does it. <laughs> Before uh, he
0: walks on that stage, he's got to think about his whole life. he uh, got to think
1: about his whole life. So Steve Jobs instead like, you know, the first – I think it opens with like him introducing the iMac to the world and – you know but but it's like all backstage like kind of leading up to that and all the crazy interpersonal drama between him and Wozniak Steve which is Seth Rogen in the movie which is very good casting Kate Winslet's in there the movie like really fumbles at the end when it's just like it's like about him like coming up with the iPod like on the spot and it's like a metaphor for his like strained relationship with his daughter and uh it's it's a weird thing and he has like, like I'm going to put songs in your pocket <laughs> 500 songs? No, 1,000 songs? No, 500 at first. Like, it's just a weird, like. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of like, okay, it's, it's getting a little too on the nose here. But otherwise, Steve Jobs is pretty good. <laughs> All
0: right, cool. So
1: throw that out there. Uh, so Sunshine had a budget of $40 million, only grossed about $32 million, and opened in limited release in the U.S. on July 20th, 2007. It had opened in the U.K. in April. So it got, like, two months later, it came out in the U.S., uh, opening at number one that weekend. Was the Adam Sandler, Kevin James comedy. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Do you remember the
0: strangleholds
1: that Adam Sandler and Kevin James (laughs) had on pop culture? (laughs) Truly, we could not escape them uh, until Adam Sandler signed his Netflix deal and then just like pumped out four movies a year that I never like gave a second thought.
0: i've heard hubie halloween is good but
1: i've i've heard that one's pretty good i've heard murder mysteries all right like i've heard some th- some of them are supposed to be all right and i i do generally like adam sandler uh, when he's trying that, yeah. that's sort of the thing <laughs> that's yeah. sort of the thing uh you know when he's in like an uncut gems or something man sandler he's great but when he's just doing the thing where it's like oh i'm gonna go on vacation with all my friends to make just go with it or something less of a fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and i now pronounce you chuck and larry Truly dreadful movie, I think. Uh, have you seen this movie? I have. I remember liking it at the time, but
0: in 2007, I would have been 16. So, like, I haven't seen it since then. So I, don't uh, know.
1: I, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on TV, like, at some point afterwards. And I remember thinking, like, even then, like, this feels offensive like this feels yeah. like oh <laughs> for like, sure Yeah. Uh, you know it's it, all that uh, I, I do it did give me a very good BoJack Horseman joke at one point though so I have to give it credit for that there's a, a recurring bit on BoJack Horseman where uh, Jessica Biel makes like, a recurring appearance as herself yeah. uh, she plays Mr. Peanut Butter's ex-wife which is herself Jessica Biel there's an episode where they flash back to 2007 and she mentions being in I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry and calling it a very important gay rights movie uh, <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was very good that's amazing <laughs> (laughs) But yeah, that was number one at the box office this weekend. Also opening this weekend was Hairspray. Uh, uh, Yeah, which that's pretty good. It's not bad. That's neat. One of my girlfriend's favorite movies, so I've seen it a couple of times. It's it's solid stuff. It's not bad. Also out in the the top 10 were Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, uh, Transformers, Michael Bay's original Transformers movie. The OG, Transformers. There it is. Uh, Ratatouille, Live Free or Die Hard, License to Wed, 1408, Evan Almighty, and Knocked Up.
0: Man, this is, that's... Peak something. I don't this, know. What this, to- is,
1: this is, I mean, for me at least, this is like prime middle school to high school transition year. You know? Yeah, <laughs> is- for sure. <laughs> A lot of these movies I saw in the theater, especially, I mean, of course, I went to go see Harry Potter. I saw Transformers. I actually missed Ratatouille in theaters uh, and saw it later. But Evan Almighty and Knocked Up uh, I were big, like, I mean, I didn't like *Evan Almighty*, but I saw it, uh, and <laughs> *Knocked Up* was a big one too. Where loved that at the time. Yeah, a lot of big stuff here.
0: I've also really come around on *1408*.
1: I've never seen *1408*. Oh
0: man, it it slaps pretty hard. Does uh, it? It's just John Cusack movie in like the kind of twilight of his powers, uh, trapped in a room that's scary because it's Stephen King book or short story or something. Um, you know, it's like *The Mist*. *1408* like kind of in the same ter- same area, occupying right. that and Same the, space. *The Mist* was this
1: year too. Yeah,
0: good stuff. And there's I think the rector's cut or it's some alternate ending thing like they they made them soften it uh for the theatrical uh it's not as good uh so find the the other version i forget which which one it is uh what like what it's called exactly but uh it's real
1: good. Okay, nice. Uh, all right, and there you go. The IMG plot synopsis for Sunshine reads, a team of international astronauts is sent on a dangerous mission to reignite the dying sun with a nuclear fission bomb in 2057. Uh, so, Mike, I think both of us had seen this movie before. We, we've we both seen Sunshine. Yes. Uh, I had seen it a long time ago. Probably like at least 10 years ago, I watched Sunshine for the first time. You just watched this for the first time last year, I think, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, within the last year at least, or yeah, in 2022. Um, nice. Yeah, so I guess this is just me plugging other podcasts. This episode, but uh, there was an episode of Screen Drafts where they did space horror. I don't remember if this made the list or at least came up in discussion on that episode. When you hear like Danny Boyle, Alex Garland, and then you hear the cast, a space, you know, a, a crew of a spaceship in distress kind of thing, I'm fucking in. Like, come on, yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so then I ended up uh, watching it for the first time that last year. And I watched it two days in a row where I was just like, holy shit. And then then, like 12 (laughs) hours later, I was like, I'm going to watch Sunshine again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, just had an absolute blast with it. So I was very excited for a chance to to uh, get to rewatch it seven months later, <laughs> um, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, this movie absolutely slaps. I think it, it's it's all of it's like you said. I think um, I haven't seen a ton of Danny Boyle movies, or at least not knowingly. Like
1: I said, I didn't. I haven't seen Yesterday, but I didn't know that that was even a Danny Boyle movie, um, right? So like, yeah, I mean, you've seen Twenty Eight Days Later for yes. sure. Uh, you've seen that one. I'm assuming. Have you seen Train Spotting? I have seen train spotting, yeah. Okay. Did you ever see T Two train spotting? Because the sequel's actually very good. No, I did not. I, I feel like that's a forgotten movie that people like people are like, Oh yeah, he made a sequel to train spotting. It's great. It's it's really, really good. But I feel like the ones you would have seen would be train spotting and twenty eight days later. Yeah. I mean, maybe one twenty
0: seven hours. Have you seen that? I did see that, yes. That's okay, right. there you go. Yeah. So I mean I don't necessarily know his style a ton. By heart, if he even necessarily has one. But yeah, I mean, I was also big into X Machina and really loved Annihilation. But yeah, so it's just like oh, I got all the all the pieces ready for like a movie that I will absolutely love. Uh and then and then I, I do. It's a really engaging, scary, fun space adventure story. Who doesn't love that? And and I love the way it kind of, you know, we'll get into it, but the way it progresses between like types of space story right? Because it's like, it's basically the core, but the sun, right? The sun is right. slowing down. We have to shoot a nuclear bomb into it to restart it. But to have it be this sort of like beginning as like a man against the elements survival space story, right? Like the ship gets damaged. We start losing oxygen and all this stuff. It's And then it becomes like a potential rescue mission and then a slasher movie for the last 10, 15 minutes. And then just like and Alex Garland, Danny Boyle, had weird sci-fi ending. Uh, so, like, the way it progresses through all those phases, I think, is really fun. Uh, and the cast is really good. It's a fucking sunshine, man. What a picture.
1: Yeah, I, you know, so I had seen this once before, like I said, a long time ago. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Like, I, I feel like I was... Almost like dismissive of it, Uh, and I think this is a movie that divided a lot of people when it came out. Mm. Um, You know, like I I didn't do super well at the box office. I don't think it got the release that it should have gotten, and especially at at the time, all these people in the movie, like we just mentioned, like a bunch of like, oh, these are like A list stars at the time that they weren't. You know, they were. You know, like the biggest name here is probably like Killian Murphy at the time, right? And he's not like a household name but he, he, at this point is
0: he been scarecrow yet not even he right? has
1: been he has been scarecrow at this point okay. yeah uh which would have been two years earlier but yeah, you know, he was the bad guy in that movie and he right. turns into a weird scarecrow monster he's not like a household name no. uh, he's a really great respected actor i love killian murphy i i think at this point like the movie just kind of fizzles out doesn't really do too much and it's like kind of divisive among critics some of whom are like really into it and some of whom are not into the tone shift that the movie has, like, halfway Mm. through, where it turns into... Like, the first two-thirds of this movie are... This incredibly tense, impeccably produced, you know, sci-fi drama with like these rich moral quandaries and these incredible performances, Uh, and just one of my favorite things in the world is characters in space who are doing their jobs well. Yeah, you know, they're all they're all great at their jobs and they understand the severity of their mission. Uh, And even like Chris Evans' character, who comes who comes off as a little bit abrasive and stuff, he's always like in service of the mission and he knows like it's it's always like. He's like the first one to suggest, well, we got to kill that guy. But it's always like, but you kind of do. <laughs> like yeah. You sort of get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the immediacy of the moment where the decision, you know, he's like, no, but this will protect the payload. So like, that's what we have to do.
1: Yeah. And, and, you, and you fully understand like where that character is coming from and you understand why it has to happen. And so the first two thirds of this movie are very much that. And then the last third of the movie turns into a slasher. It's a Friday the 13th movie for about 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, and I think that is fun. But I think it is the weakest stretch of the movie. Like it's it's just one of those things. Was like this kind of came out of kind came out of nowhere. I think the reveal when it first happens is incredible. Yeah. Um. When when you know he's talking to the ship's computer and the ship's computer reveals that uh, you know if you've listened to this podcast you already know full spoilers like throughout the episode for this but this is a big reveal which you can kind of see coming once this character is introduced through like a video screen earlier. Um. But the insane captain of the original Icarus ship is suddenly on board and he's talking to the computer uh, and he's like oh yeah there's four. Bodies left we should have enough oxygen it's like no there are five like, what yeah <laughs> like, like negative five five uh, bodies yeah exactly and he like runs to where the where the computer is saying he is and it's mark strong and the way the camera is like shooting that is like it's like he's like so damaged from the sun that like it hurts to look at him like yeah. it's like you're squinting at him the entire time and so that that 10 minutes where mark strong just goes in a killing spree I think is again, it's still fun, but I do think it's the weakest stretch of the movie. It's what knocked it down like a half star for me. But then it comes right back around to this like incredibly trippy, like two thousand one space odyssey kind of riff as we approach the sun and like deliver the payload. This movie rules. Uh, I was like so blown away by it this time, and watching it now, I'm. Convinced it's a masterpiece, I think it is Danny Boyle's best film. And Danny Boyle does have like a very kinetic directing style. Uh, and I think that is on display here at certain points. But I think mm. it's largely kind of restrained for the most part uh, until he gets to unleash with like full Boyle mode towards the end and to, to doing some Oil other stuff plan. as well. Boil mode, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so you have Garland's script, which is great. Uh, the score for this movie uh, oh. is just unbelievable uh, by John Murphy in Underworld, uh, which is so good that it has become like a go-to score for use in movie trailers. When I was watching, I was like, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> and turns out, yeah, it's in the trailer for Ready Player One. It's in the trailer for Star Trek Into Darkness. It's in the trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past. It's in other just actual movies. They just take the score and put it in, like in Wonder Woman, it's in there. Wow. I think it's the, I think it's the scene where she's like, in Wonder Woman where she's going through the trenches. I think this is the score that's playing. Holy shit. That's crazy. Uh, it's in a scene in Top Gun Maverick. Like it's just, it's just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a score so good they just keep using it in other movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the the sound design in general for this movie is amazing. Uh the sound of like the distress beacon ping thing yeah. is very distinct and amazing. Uh yeah, just what a fucking picture.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I love just every like, every, everybody is so perfectly cast and, like, so good at, like, quickly identifying, like, oh, who this person is and what their job is on the ship. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is Corazon, the, uh, the ship's biologist. What did you think of Michelle Yeoh in this movie?
0: Yeah, I think she's great. I think it is interesting that she is the one that suggests, like, you know, if we kill a couple people, <laughs> like, we have enough oxygen, um, which yeah. is interesting for a character of – for us on the pod – for Michelle Yeoh to be playing, because I don't think she's playing somebody like that or somebody, like, willing... You know, she's always, like, the kind of reserved one in charge that knows is, like, an expert at what she does, even though that is basically what she is here, but...
1: Yeah, sometimes she'll play a character that is... Starts off on the evil side, but comes over to the good side by the end, right? Uh, like in the heroic trio or Wonder Seven or something like that, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think she she does a really great per- she gives a really great performance, um, quietly, very devastating one, right? Uh, where what ends up with her character, her final moments is just like the most heartbreaking thing ever. I don't know, and then just the the perform like all the chemistry between everybody. Like you definitely understand like these people have they've been on this fucking ship for seven years or whatever it's been right like yeah you're we're coming in at the end of a journey for them uh so like you have pretty well established uh stuff like the moment when when chris evans towards the beginning after he gets in the fight with silly Killy murphy and he's like i'm apologizing and then they just like have a a few seconds where they're like okay is that it like yes (laughs) all right uh and she's just like laughing at them in the corner you know like uh yes So, yeah, great. Michelle is great.
1: I mean, there's so many, like, just great small character moments throughout the entire movie. Uh, And Chris Evans, especially, is like really great in this. And I was watching this and I was thinking like, man, you know, I think Chris Evans is a really terrific Captain America. That is a role that like really kept him doing those movies for about 10 years. And that's like most of what he did. Um, But every once in a while he would break out of that and just like do something that seems out of character or at least playing against his type because he's playing Captain America and he's like the ultimate symbol of good. Uh, And so you have like this movie and you see him in like Snowpiercer, and you see him in knives out and it's like, God, this guy's incredible. <laughs> this yeah. guy's so good. Uh, I that, wish you got uh, to show that off more. What was
0: that that movie with him and like Dakota Fanning where they're like psychics? Do you remember that movie? Did you ever see that?
1: Chris Evans and Dakota Fanning. Did I, Push. Push is a movie. I did not realize that Chris Evans was in it. Uh, for a second, I thought you were thinking of one of the fake movies in Scott Pilgrim.
0: <laughs> no, well, so like, but that's sort of the same a, deal as this too. Uh, yeah, like he just kind of every now and then gets to or used to you at least, or I guess with ransom from Nights yes. Out.
1: You're right, Push was Chris Evans' Push. Dakota Fanning.
0: Yeah, look at that. I don't really remember if that movie's good or not, but I remember it being like a real grimy and weird and it being all about like the psychic underworld um, and right. stuff like that, uh, which is pretty neat. But he gets to play one of those characters that is just like a little off-center, kind of weird. And it's strange at the beginning of this movie, he has like a kind of terrible wig and then they're like, get a haircut, and then he's and then he's like, looks fine for the rest of the movie. You're like, what a yeah. weird detail to include in this, um, <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, he's really good in this, and uh, it's exci- it's exciting to see him not as Captain America, because as good as he is in Captain America, like like you said, every now and then you're like, holy shit, Chris Evans,
1: man. Yeah, he kills it. He's he's great in a lot of other things. I mean, like I mentioned, Scott Pilgrim before, but he's right. he's fantastic in that movie. I've never seen the Iceman, but I've heard he's pretty good in that. All right, you know. So there's that. But yeah, the losers. Remember the losers.
0: Remember the losers. I do remember the losers.
1: I, I remember that movie not being great, but he was very good in it. Like he yeah. was very fun.
0: Is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan in that?
1: I believe he is. Yes, I think yeah, I Je- can't- Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Zoe Saldana, Idris Elba, Chris Evans.
0: That's the same ca- like the same level of sunshine. We were like, "Holy shit! All these people are in one movie." Um, yes, <laughs> um, I think that's the movie that uh, when I worked at Fye, somebody came in there and was like, "You got any Jeffrey Dean Morgan movies?" And they're like, "What?" <laughs>
1: uh, and it, and turned- it was Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and in he got ripped the.
0: Mission Impossible style mask off. Right. Uh, No, it turned out to be a contractor guy that was, uh, had just built a house for Jeffrey Dean Morgan in the Albany area. Yeah, you told me this. And uh, wanted to show off the entertainment, like movie theater, basically they had built in the house and the sound system and everything with his own movie. And I was like, that seems like a weird choice to me. Like, imagine you walked into your own living room and your own movie is playing and somebody's like, check this out. Like, wouldn't that be weird? But uh, they were insistent, and I think they bought the losers. So that's my association that is, with that movie.
1: That is incredible. I, I just picture him, like, standing by the TV, and like, ah! Yeah, just doing ah. that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Doing that like Will Smith pose when he's just like, behold! Um, but it's the losers, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan is just mad.
1: Oh man! <laughs> uh, but the losers is not the movie that we're talking about. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about Sunshine. Michelle Yeoh, I think, great in it, and she makes it a lot farther than almost everybody in the movie. She gets she gets pretty far into it before her character dies. Which, yeah. by the way, this is the third time. That we've seen Michelle Yeoh die on screen. Really? Only the it, third time? Only the third. It was Executioners, Shallon Popey Two, Messy Temple, <laughs> and now messy, Sunshine. What a messy temple! Um, I mean, it, it got it's it's so messy that uh, they had to clean up the body afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes.
0: laughs> that's right. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I kind of maybe because most of them are just big action movies and stuff. I thought maybe like I maybe had just invented memories of her character dying more. Uh, yeah, in other movies because I didn't. I like noticed it, but I didn't like take note of it that she died right in this, you know
1: yeah but there it is uh yeah but she does make it a lot farther than almost everybody else in the movie she's like in the final four of people that are on the ship yeah uh, with her rose byrne chris evans and killian murphy uh so she makes it pretty far and yeah she just seems like she really sells like kind of smart capable scientist truly cares about her work and there's a sequence in the movie when uh, her garden gets destroyed by this fire and she's like just running back to try to save it but she can't Devastating, man, just devastating.
0: Yeah, her just like sitting in the hallway crying as like the fire rages behind her and the yeah like, the other side of the glass, uh and then the door cracks and like all the smoke pours out. And yeah, you're just like man, this
1: sucks. <laughs> it's really rough. And then during that, I mean, I think you alluded to this before, but like right before her character dies, she discovers like this this one plant that sort of survived, and it's like, oh, we might be able to rebuild. Like we might be able to get enough oxygen to get home. Yeah. And then, her, and then she dies. <laughs> and then she dies. Yeah. And she's like a baby, right? She's calling it a
0: baby and she's like moving this ash out of the way. Yeah. And she like scoops it up into her hand. And then, yeah, she just gets fucking murked by Jason in space. Uh, yes. And
1: then, uh, yeah, which tragic. is a Jason movie, by the way, Jason uh, X uh, in space. <laughs> yeah, I think she's really great in this, and uh it, it is one of those things where, like, when we were doing this podcast, I, I like when we saw that we were gonna do the Michelle yo and I was looking over the filmography, like I totally forgot that she was in Sunshine. Mm. Uh, again, I had seen it years ago, but to, uh, my main memories were that Killian Murphy and Chris Evans were the, like the guys in it, and in my mind, like Chris Evans was the like revealed to be the villain of the movie for whatever. Like, and it had been a long time since i seen it, so, like my vague memory of. The movie is like oh yeah Chris Evans turns out to be the bad guy and he like you know sabotages the mission or something that doesn't happen at all he advocates for killing people but <laughs> yeah but otherwise he's a great he does what he does his job
0: yeah, you ultimately know? sacrifices himself to save the mission. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I don't know why that was in my head for whatever reason, but that, like, a lot of this movie felt completely fresh to me. I had forgotten like a lot of its like big twists and turns. Nice. Uh, and so yeah, it's it's awesome. Love sunshine. How do you think this fits into the roles uh, that Michelle Yeoh has played so far, Mike? I think it's it's
0: sort of unique. I guess kind of what you were talking about uh, in the intro, sort of this kind of. Ushering in a new era a little bit, and as far as her roles go, the kind of, you know, hyper-competent, although we've seen a lot of her, like, the hyper-competent type role, like, in Memoirs of a Geisha, right? She's the sure. greatest geisha to come out of retirement, basically, or whatever the, the right. fuck that movie was. And other stuff like that, the Soong sisters, you know. But it's it's a genre? I mean, I guess the Hong Kong
1: action is a genre. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's a science it's fiction. It's your first sci-fi movie. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, like other than maybe, like, Executioners, which is like a post-apocalyptic dystopia, like, maybe you can count that. <laughs> I always forget that that's a post-nuclear apocalypse movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, her, the heroic, like we mentioned in that episode, the heroic trio ends with them finally coming together as heroes, and then Executioners opens with, like, well... They're, they are broken up now because the world ended. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think I described it in that episode as being like, you know, it's like if you made the first X-Men movie and then you went straight to Logan. Right. right. It was just like, like, there's nothing in between. <laughs> just
0: Maggie Chung's a water bandit now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay.
1: It's like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but yeah, this is her very first sci-fi movie, which uh, is pretty cool to see. And hey, great, great one to start off on.
0: Yeah. First uh, horror, horror, horror elements, right? I think.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously, definitely horror elements in this movie. Yeah, I don't think she really has, like, a horror movie to her name up to this point, unless you want to count, like, elements of Shaolin Popey 2, Messy Temple. I yeah, yeah. Right. Aren't there, like, zombies in that movie? Holy <laughs> oh, Weapon. Hero, I mean, yeah, or, or uh, Holy Weapon. I was going to say Hero Trio does have, like, a skeleton monster at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there is that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's maybe some horror elements and stuff. Yeah, Holy Weapon has the uh, the evil dead random thing that happens. Yeah. But this is her first sci-fi movie, really kind of her first horror movie uh for at least a 10 minute stretch. It, it is a movie that kind of features her as part of a larger ensemble, which you get in Holy Weapon, you get in Wonder 7, you have that in a few in a few movies up to here.
0: I think it'll be interesting to see the the pace. I think uh maybe she does she slow down a little bit now. This is 2007. I feel like we so, kind of got from 2000 to 2007 very fast.
1: Real quickly because yeah, there was only like three movies in between Crash and Tiger and this, right? right. Or maybe maybe four. There was The Touch, Silver Hawk, Memoirs and Fearless which fearless barely counts as a Michelle Yeoh movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I think she actually, so she has slowed down already. Like she's has, yeah. like compared to what she was doing in the nineties. I think at this point she starts to ramp up a little bit. Um, Got it. so I think 2007, she has two movies, 2008, she has three movies. Like she, she starts making a few more movies a year. It's kind of a mix of American movies as well as Hong Kong movies. Like they're kind of, it's like 50, 50. Uh, I think it is interesting. And I think we've brought up this comparison before. Um, but it's, their careers are so intertwined. Uh, Michelle and Jackie Chan yeah. uh, and you compare her career to Jackie Chan's career and uh, you know both of them came to America around the same time because uh, Police Story 3 Super Cop kind of got the dub over here and then started to get bigger and Jackie Chan fever took hold of America like there was no tomorrow right, right. Pe- people were obsessed with Jackie Chan he was in a ton of movies he had Shanghai Nights and Noon he had the Rush Hour movies the Tuxedo the Medallion all these you know big American blockbusters the Adventures of uh, Jackie Chan adventures of uh, is that the the cartoon show the cartoon, right yeah. yes uh yeah which jackie chan ruled. adventures what is it called jackie, I don't jackie chan adventures was the show uh and it ruled uh I, <laughs> yeah. I just i watched that every saturday it was great yeah i mean america had jackie chan fever and while that was happening michelle Yeoh was off in Hong Kong, kind of getting mythical films off the ground. Right. Uh, like she had Crouching Tiger and then she was producing her own movies and that sort of fizzled out. And by the time Michelle Yeoh comes back in like 2000, 2005, 2007, starts making memoirs, starts making sunshine, Jackie Chan fever has like died down a little bit. And so by the mid 2000s, late 2000s, there's less Jackie Chan movies. I think the last like kind of major Jackie Chan movie in this era would have been 2010 with the remake of The Karate Kid. Right. Um, which I saw in theaters and uh, don't really remember anything about other than Jackie Chan was very good in it. And uh, I even feel
0: like that was sort of like a comeback for Jackie Chan, right? A <laughs> little
1: bit, yeah. I think I think Rush Hour 3 was 07 and then there's like not much in between mm. there. You know, maybe I think The Forbidden Kingdom might be in there or something like that, but which I think we mentioned last week on the yeah. on the Fearless episode. But as far as like American movies go, yeah, I think I think it was The Karate Kid and then he kind of, you know, he's st- he's still making movies. Um and he and he has occasionally made like he does a voice in Kung Fu Panda and he has done some stuff, but I think he's more transitioned out of the spotlight yeah. as opposed to where he was before, but now Michelle Yeoh coming back like around the same time. It's just the weird like you know yin and yang sort of thing where like one one of them's getting really big and one of them's just not in the spotlight as much. Now Michelle Yeoh is sort of becoming more or at least trying to be part more part of the spotlight more. Right, um, but the movies that she's in like these American movies are not like huge hits. Like I mean, Sunshine not a huge hit. Babylon AD. <laughs> Not a huge hit. The Mummy 3, like, uh, you know, I think it made okay money, but, it, like, it it was a, a come down from the first two Mummy movies, you know, and then she really has obviously had her comeback over the last few years with Crazy Rich Asians and Everything Everywhere and Shang-Chi and all that stuff. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's just an interesting kind of thing to like kind of compare their two careers and see where they were both at because they both kind of came from the same place uh, and arrived at the same time in America.
0: It's all t- t- timey-wobby-wibbly-wobbly, uh... <laughs> bullshit (laughs) that he gets to be the one she doesn't. Although now she's finally getting her moment in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's great.
1: Yeah. You know what? We don't, you know what I read, which I did not know. Um, there was, so recently there was a uh, profile of Michelle Yeoh. There's been a lot of profiles about Michelle Yeoh because of the whole Oscar race and everything like that. Uh, recently, I think this was like deadline that kind of put this one together, but they, talked about how when making everything everywhere all at once Michelle Yeoh's character was not going to be the main character originally really um, the main character was going to be Waymond her husband uh, and the Daniels really wanted Jackie Chan to play that character. Wow! Like when when they were writing that, when they were writing the movie at first, that was what they wanted to do. They wanted Jackie Chan to play Waymond, and they did always have Michelle Yeoh in mind for the character of Evelyn. And their goal was like it would be so cool to get like a Police Story three reunion, like their first time on screen together yeah. uh, since Police Story three <laughs> together in our movie. Like that would be incredible. Uh, and then Jackie Chan passed on it, but Michelle Yeoh signed on uh and they're like well let's just make a michelle young movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) wild
0: that's so cool
1: uh and now here we are uh presumably she won the oscar last night that's right Uh, but there you go uh all right so let's run the movie down scene by scene let's talk sunshine mike
0: yeah we got 40 minutes in let's do it
1: yeah let's do it uh so the movie opens with one of my favorite things uh when a movie does this which is when they change the studio logo ever so slightly. <laughs> oh, baby,
0: you know you're in for some good shit when that happens. If
1: you got the studio logo and it transitions into the movie, oh, baby, you got a stew going. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's so cool. R.I.P. Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs> no longer on Netflix. Uh, yeah. yeah, there it is. Um, but yeah, I think it is still on Hulu if anybody still wants to catch up on Arrested Development. The original three seasons are, the ones that are worth watching. But yeah, th- this movie has like a, Opening transition. It has the Fox Searchlight logo, and then the camera kind of pans away from the uh, the Fox Searchlight sign, and you see the sun in the distance, and it kind of transitions into the sun in the movie, and it's really cool.
0: Love that shit. And then, yeah, I mean, any you know, it's just uh, some good voiceover saying, you know, our sun is dying. We're the crew of the Icarus too. Which, look, I get why you would name this crew the Icarus.
1: (laughs) However, yes. However, the original Icarus did fly too close to the sun. Like, but. (laughs) both the myth both in the mythology and also Icarus one got lost right (laughs) Um, so why would you name this Icarus two
0: yeah this is why we need to fund the humanities (laughs) (laughs) you know there's some science nerd that's never read a book in his life it's like I don't know fucking Icarus uh you need one person that's an English major in the room to be like well actually (laughs) (laughs) no um But yeah, and then, you know, we get the whole, which right away, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm a big disaster movie, big The Core guy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) This is the same plot, but The Sun. Um, And And I feel like... A little bit
1: headier than The Core, too. I think it has the Alex Garland, like, you know, this is a smart sci-fi movie. Whoa, that's
0: what I was going to say. And I think I remember them talking about this on screen drafts or reading on Wikipedia or something that, like... Alex Garland and like they went to like lengths to have like plausible physics and stuff uh, included in this movie, not just be Stanley Tucci chain smoking cigarettes in the, in the back of the. Uh, um, so, like, all it's got all, like you said, it's an Alex Garland movie. So, it has this air of like, ooh, like a little mustache
1: twirl, I'm smart kind of thing. But I, exactly. I don't
0: think it feels pretentious in any way like that.
1: Like, it's no, no, I, th- I think it's just really well executed. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that, the yeah. thing. It, it, the it's a movie's just incredibly well made and cool and <laughs> it, fucking <laughs> gold spacesuits? I'm in. Like, come yeah. on. Absolutely. So, yeah, you have this voiceover. And by the way, just since, since we're plugging other people's podcasts that are more successful than ours, um, Blank Check is currently doing a Danny Boyle series. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, and I believe the Sunshine episode, I don't think it's out yet, but it will be out in a couple of weeks. Amazing. Uh, so there's that. You're <laughs> welcome. Yeah, there it is. So, yeah, you have this voiceover from Killian Murphy kind of explaining the general gist of the movie. Like, this is what the plot is. And it's yeah. the ship of the Icarus 2, eight astronauts on this ship. Uh, they got a bomb strapped to it. They got to send it into the sun there you go that's the movie apparently Killian Murphy uh, was really studying the wages of fear to uh, kind of get into his performance interesting uh, which makes sense also a movie about transporting a bomb <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's all coming together now actually
1: <laughs> and so you have this voiceover. over uh, you have a sequence with Searle um, Cliff Curtis's character kind of just hanging out uh, in the, the sun room where he's just like observing the sun's brightness and he's and he's having the ship like kind of give him like give me the most amount of bright I can get without dying <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I love his, like, descent into, like, you know, the kind of space madness, descent into craziness, whatever, of his character in particular because it's very obvious, you know, like, the escalation of him, like, spending more and more time in the observation room, but the just, like, just the subtle detail that he is just slowly more sunburned every time you see him until the end yes. where he's just like fully peeling and his lips are all chapped and like all of that and like nobody says anything about it <laughs> it's just hilarious yeah but, and he's the, he's their psychologist right he's yeah, the guy he's who's the supposed to- <laughs> yeah to keep them all sane um, yes but i really love that the the way this movie is able to show the power of the sun and like depict that Especially in that scene at the very beginning where he's like, Icarus, like, um, I forget, he asks, like, what percentage of brightness am I seeing? As he's like, whoa, like, you know, being like blown away by the, and, and the ship is like 2%. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> uh, you know, give me 3% for 30 seconds or what, you know, and like all that is yeah. just slowly amping up to the point where he's like wearing like a welding mask by the end or yep. goggles. And he just like finds this religion in the sun, you know, it's. Like, yeah.
1: And, and and they sort of all do in their own way. Like that's yeah. sort of the thing about it too. Is, I mean, with Killian Murphy's kind of like whole encounter with the sun at the end. And it's also the way that Cliff Curtis goes out when he realizes he's stranded on ship He's like, huh, their sunroom's still working, huh? All right, crank this up to 100 Yeah, full brightness. Yeah, yeah, let's go, Uh, which is pretty incredible. But yeah, so you have the sequence where he's doing that. Now the ship is flying into the dead zone. Um, So the the ship will not be able to communicate uh, with Earth anymore. Uh, And so everybody has to kind of record their last messages to their loved ones on Earth. Uh, And so you have a sequence where Killian Murphy is talking to his uh, mom and dad, uh, kind of sending them a message. Uh, By the time they get it, they will not be able to give it back to him because he'll be in the dead zone. Uh, So he tells he tells them like, hey, if we succeeded, the sun will be bright. Yeah, like, <laughs> it'll take thing. eight
0: minutes for you to know that we we succeeded, you know? Yeah,
1: if it's a particularly nice day outside, it's a good chance that we got it right, like we we succeeded.
0: Which is such a beautiful, like, you know, there's always in these kind of movies, like, you know, there's no way we're going to make it home or whatever. There's no way that our nobody will know our mission is successful if we did it or not. And that yeah. whole just like... The sun will literally be brighter. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> it's such a like beautiful imagery, and and also the movie spends a lot of time on like eye imagery, and like obviously the sun, like the sun, and the always cl- when the people are in the observation room, the close ups on their eyeballs of reflecting the sunlight. There's also the a couple times you see the shot, you see the like the front of the heat shield, and it's just like oh, it's a giant eyeball. I get it. Like I yeah. see what we're doing here, and all about the sun is God. And- all that shit uh it's good uh, chef's yeah. kiss
1: yeah at, at no point did they play the song staring at the sun by the offspring uh which is a little bit of a bummer <laughs> but even so still a very good movie uh also have you ever seen there was a review of this movie on amazon like years ago that like goes viral every once in a while um mm. but it's a very funny review where somebody gives, gives it like one star and it's, it's like this long like three four paragraph review where he's like describing the plot of the movie for a long time. And he's like, yeah, this is a movie about these eight astronauts uh, that are going to go save the sun. And they're going to send something out so the sun will be brighter. Literally saving daylight, you know, at home. And at no point in this movie does anyone say the phrase, it's daylight saving time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Holy, Alex Garland's too smart for that. Yeah. <laughs> just as he hits the button to release the bomb yes daylight exactly. saving it's tight <laughs> they'll, it. they'll print anything these
1: days tomorrow never dies callback I'll just throw throwing this out there but I recently watched Cliffhanger again uh, for my Inferno of Danger series of the Roxy uh, and the line that Stallone has when he's just burning the money to stay warm and he's like oh, it costs a fortune to heat this place <laughs> <laughs> Perfection. So good. Uh, And so, yeah. So he's sending this last message to his uh, family, telling them that the sun will be brighter uh, eight minutes after they succeed. While you're seeing this, you see Yo in the garden. Um, you see her kind of tending to the garden and you're not really sure exactly what this is but it's kind of becomes clear very quick um, because she goes to visit Kaneda, Hiroyuki Sonata's character the captain of the ship who Yo was supposed to play but didn't and she kind of gives him the update and like yeah all our oxygen is good Uh, you know we have enough to make it to the sun and we have enough to get back Uh, and so it kind of establishes that like this is not meant to be a suicide mission this is meant to be like you know you're gonna send you're gonna do it you're gonna succeed you're gonna come home we're gonna gonna bring our people home.
0: Yeah and and I love that where she's like you know we have um we're overproducing. Things are going so well. We have more than enough oxygen. Uh <laughs> just really setting us up for the inevitable f- yeah. fall from the sun. Uh because our ship is called Icarus. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's fun, it's fun to see these two together again. Uh Hiro Yugi Sanada is, is incredible. He's so good. Uh yeah. He's just cool. You know, he I is. love it. everyone's yeah. just sitting on the observation deck wearing aviators like what a champ
1: (laughs) yes and like and like we've been saying the movie does a really great job of establishing that like everybody like just knows each other very well at this point and uh you know they're all they're all like you know with each other professionally and they're not really like friends but they're colleagues uh for the most part uh but then there are like just subtle things that the movie does uh, and I think my favorite thing is the way it kind of like subtly hints that uh, Killian Murphy and Rose Byrne are in a relationship. Yeah. And so this happens in a, a, a little bit later from where we are. But there's a moment where Killian Murphy is like having a nightmare about like, you know, falling towards the sun and he wakes up and Rose Byrne is kind of like in his room already. Yeah. Uh, and she's not in his bed, but it's like clear that like she's comfortable going into his room while he's sleeping, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And and then there's the moment later on from that where uh, she's like helping him get into his suit when they're going out to like repair the thing. And she's like, you're going to be okay. And like, I think boops him on the nose or something. Like she like touches his face for a second, you know, just like a little. Something like that. Reassuring thing that you would only really do to somebody you are in a relationship or care about,
1: you know. Right. Yeah. But there's no moment where they say like, we're in a relationship. And there's no moment where you see them kissing or anything like that. But it is just like, it's kind of just there in the background. And I appreciated that.
0: Like that, like Searle's sunburn. (laughs)
1: Yes, like Cyril sunburn, exactly. Uh, so yeah. So Yo is telling Kaneda, oxygen's great, we're all good. Uh, we see Chris Evans getting a fight, and then he's in a psych session with Cyril uh, right afterwards, right? And then yeah. he does the kind of like weird apology. He's like, "I'm sorry." It's like, "All right, yeah, later."
0: <laughs> yeah, this is me apologizing, and then he walks out. Um, and yeah, and they have that like VR cube thing. They all have to go into, or like that's what Cyril, the psych officer, like orders for him. Yeah, uh, and it's like a simulation you know like whatever it's him watching like waves crash and then the icarus the ship changes it to like a peaceful forest and he's like no bring back the waves the dark like the darkness (laughs) in (laughs) me makes me feel peaceful um yeah i don't know it's just like the little the little hints of like oh yeah it's it's 50 it's 2057 or whatever you know we have we have whatever this technology is
1: exactly and there's also a moment here where uh you know the captain i think is like hey Check this out. We're passing Mercury. And everybody kind of observes Mercury as it's passing. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it, it's a good moment where everybody's like, man, this is really cool.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody's ever been this close to, well, I guess Icarus 1. But yeah, they're like, watch. But they flew the, too close. They flew too close. Yeah. They watch the <laughs> uh, transit of Mercury across the sun. It's fucking cool, man.
1: You know? Yeah. It's really cool. And around this time, uh, Harvey, the communications officer, uh, plays an audio signal and uh, he dis- they kind of discover this is a distress beacon from Icarus 1, yeah. uh, which nobody has ever heard from Icarus 1 since it was sent out the last time. Like, this is like, you know, because it was in the dead zone, like, this distress signal never got out, and they're picking it up now. Like, the ship is still putting it out there. Uh, and then they have a moral debate about what they should do about this.
0: Yeah, and even, even the, like, representation of Hervey, like, hearing the distress signal where he like leans into a laser, right? And like it's, yeah. that's what's like transmitting the, the space music or whatever I think Chris Evans's character calls it. Um and yeah, and that's when you hear that like just very really cool sound design of that distress beacon like ping uh it's cool as hell. Um and yeah so they have the the dilemma that uh they are close enough to where Icarus one's signal is from that they could alter their trajectory and rendezvous with Icarus 1 they don't know what state it's in they could disrupt their mission you know the yeah they weigh the start weighing the uh options Searle says like you know if they have their payload we'd have two chances maybe at getting this right so is that worth stopping to pick up the payload and find out what happened to Icarus 1? And that becomes the whole debate.
1: Yeah, yeah. The debate is essentially like Chris Evans is basically who's leading – is very much against going to go see Icarus 1. Right. He's like, we have to stay on mission. We have the payload. We have to go exactly to where we are. It's been calculated to like you know a one, one one-hundredth of a fraction of a second. Like it has to be at this time, at this location. Uh, and others are saying, well, we, if we could you know, change the calculations a little bit, uh, which they do – they don't do it right. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, they they are changing the calculations. And, you know, yeah, I think it's Searle who says that, like, uh, you know, yeah, if we, we have a moral obligation to save them if they are alive. Right, uh, you know, and even if just one of them is alive, we have to save that person. Yeah, and so they they ultimately decide. Killian Murphy ends up being the deciding factor because he is the physicist who is able to kind of figure out like, would this be a beneficiary for the mission ultimately? Yeah, uh, and he's and he says they should go save Vicarus One.
0: Yes, yeah, he and, and I love that moment. Canada, like the captain, says like, this isn't even a decision for me. It'll be the decision for the person that can make it best. Our physicist, and like every camera just like slowly turns over to yeah. Tilly Murphy in the corner. And he's just like, fuck <laughs> or shit. He <laughs> said, he said something but yeah. like he doesn't want this responsibility. He's just the physicist,
1: you know, like, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, ultimately he decides it'd be worth it, um, to try to save them and have two payloads. So you'd have two, two opportunities to get this right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so he, uh, they are going off course. They're going to go do it. Uh, this is when he, uh, you see him in his, in his bunk. He has this nightmare about him falling into the sun. Right. Uh, and then Cassie is there. Rose Byrne is there when he wakes up, and she tells him, I have the same dream, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I think
0: at, at first you're like, Is this a flashback? Not the falling in the sun part, but like uh, when he wakes up, and then there's like all of a sudden a woman there, you're like, Is this a flashback? Is, is he like having another dream within a dream thing going on? Right. Uh, and then you're like, Oh no, it's just Cassie, and they're comfortable enough, like you said, to just being each other's bunks. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's never like commented on by anybody else on the ship or anything yeah. like that. It's just like a thing that maybe they're even keeping it quiet, you know, who knows. Like, we don't we don't know really anything about they're in a relationship other than like there's these little hints that you get throughout uh, which is really cool. It reminds me of uh, I mean we've talked about we talked about that extensively I think on the Goldblum season for Jurassic Park right, uh, with Sam Neill and Laura Dern's characters uh, where it's like yeah they're, they're in a relationship like it's kind of established that they are but like they never have like any kind of like intimate moment together you know Laura Dern is flirting with Jeff Goldblum a little bit like all, all that kind of stuff. One of the things that really bugged me about Jurassic World Dominion is like no that was the great love of Sam Neill's life that he lost.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he has to get her back. Yeah and they're just divorced in the second movie and like whatever and then what else so what happens next with uh, oh this is when the the alarms go off right because uh,
1: yeah the alarm the alarm goes off uh, because the uh, trajectory has changed uh, and this is when Benedict Wong realizes I fucked up (laughs) Man,
0: like, he plays this uh, moment so well.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he So he is like the uh, the engineer on the ship, right? Or something like that. I yeah. think that's what I said before. So he's the one who's like kind of figuring out the calculations to get their ship off co- off of their current course, to go to Icarus 1, and then come back to the sun uh, to go exactly to where they were going to go the first time. He double and triple checked the math. He was figuring it all out. And yeah, he didn't carry one zero or something. You know, he, like one, yeah. one small mistake. Uh, has completely like messed up the entire thing
0: yeah he forgets to uh, i think recalculate the angle of the shield because obviously they're going in a different direction towards the sun now like a slight angle uh so the shield is no longer blocking this the whole like brunt of the ship or the rays from the sun and gets damaged because he doesn't angle it correctly
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. And so this is like a, a devastating, like I can't believe I did this. Uh I like he's just beating himself up about it the entire rest of the movie. Uh until ultimately he kills himself as a result of it.
0: But yeah, this moment where they're all there and he's explaining that and he's like throwing the pencils and the maps and like he's like all, you know, f- furious with himself and uh just keeps saying like I'm sorry I forgot. Um as like the alarms are blaring and like all this shit's yeah. going on uh and he has all this other math going on, whatever. Um, and just, yeah, that moment is, like, so powerful, I think. Uh, and then, yeah, he becomes, like you said, like, if they Searle declares him a suicide risk, they have to sedate him for the rest of the movie and yeah, uh, eventually he wakes up and does it
1: anyway. Uh, right. So, so at, at this point, so because of his mistake, uh, they have to change the angle of their shields, like, manually. Right. They have to go out on like the surface of the ship and change them and two people are required to do this right the captain volunteers Kaneda is like okay I will do it Chris Evans has this line he's like alright I volunteer and he's like oh great I volunteer Kappa because he blames Killian Murphy for this and he's like I right. volunteer you to do it you bastard you son of a bitch uh, and Killian Murphy's like alright fine yeah I guess. I'm sure <laughs> And so, yeah, so Killian Murphy and the captain both have to go out there. It's an incredibly dangerous thing that they have to do. Right. Um, where they're they're putting on the spacesuits and they're getting out there and they're changing the angles of the shields. And then this ultimately leads to uh Canada's death, but this is like a really long sequence. And I
0: love how long the tent and the tension that that builds because, um, Cassie, the pilot takes over and, uh, she angles the, sh- the ship, the shield at like a very extreme angle to get them in the shade so that they yeah. can work on this sh- work on the shield. But, that'll expose i think one of the communications towers or whatever that like spins around the ship so that goes out past the edge of the shield now and gets exploded by the sun because they're like very close to it and that just keeps happening in the background while they're working on the ship until eventually that like reflects a beam of sunlight into the ship uh and blow i think that's what causes the fire in the garden right Right. yes um but like that goes that's like Ten minutes later,
1: where they're like, it's it's a lot of it is just this spacewalk is scary. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's, it's a very tense sequence, and they're just small moments like, um, like I think Michelle Yeoh notes that uh, you know Kappa's oxygen is going fast because he's breathing too hard. Yeah, it's he's like you, you, you got you got to calm down. You got to relax because if you breathe too fast, you're going to run out of oxygen. Yeah. And and I love
0: the design of the suits, too, because they're gold, which just looks really cool. And they're sort of like like it sort of is reminiscent of like one of those like old like bell diving, like old fashioned scuba yeah. gear type suits. You know, it's like gigantic and oversized. And there's just a tiny slit for the eye holes because of they're looking at the sun, <laughs> um, yep. you know, and it's just like is so stylized that it looks awesome. And then, yeah, you're just like you said, I think th- this is all in the section where it's just like competency porn where it's just highly specialized incredibly well trained people being very good at their
1: jobs Uh, yes there's a great Michelle Yeoh has a great line here at some point where Chris Evans I think tries to explain something to her and she's like I know what it is fly boy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, Yeah, exactly yeah (laughs) it's fucking awesome so so good and so you had the sequence Uh, they succeed in like changing one of the shields right they get they get one of them changed Uh, but when they do that yeah the the beam of sunlight comes in might be like a solar flare or something like It just happens at the wrong time. But uh, yeah, this beam of sunlight comes in, destroys the garden, just immediately wrecks it.
0: Yeah, shit cuts right through the ship, blows up the garden. Uh, Of course, now the ship's computer takes over, or is trying to take over because there's damage to the ship and write the shield back to the other way it was. Yeah. Uh, while Canada and Kappa are still out there, you
1: know. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Icarus is taking control and it's messing things up. The garden's exploding. Yo is chasing after it like, no! Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing she can do. She's just like, just chasing it and then watching it burn and then crying by the door. Basically. It's pretty rough. Um, and so, yeah, the ship returns to its original rotation. I, I think they, op- they open the oxygen tanks.
0: Yeah, they, they realize that like the only way to put the fire out is to just like let it explode basically and burn yeah. all the
1: oxygen up at once uh, so like fully like destroying the garden even more essentially yeah
0: yeah so it's not even like they're gonna attempt to salvage it they're just gonna
1: let it burn uh, like flash yeah. burn or whatever and it's one of those things where like everybody involved like knows like well if we do this we're going to die Right, but we have to do it. So here we, so here we go. There's no other choice, and so they do it. They they open the oxygen tanks. The garden explodes. Everything goes on fire. Michelle, yo, devastated.
0: Yeah, and I think that's when the like the window cracks or whatever. And, like, all the smoke pours out into the hallway where Michelle Yo has just been
1: on her knees crying. Uh, yeah.
0: Watching. Um, and she runs out and has to, like, seal the airlock for the compartment or whatever. And, yeah, and meanwhile, Kaneda and Kappa are still out on the shield, like, yeah. trying to get back in time. But Kaneda, like, knows that he has to fix this part. Uh, so he basically stays as long as he has to to fix it and, and gets blown away by the direct sunlight
1: yeah he he sends kappa back inside so killian murphy makes it back in he's safe and then yeah he he fixes whatever he needs to do but then yeah the shields are in full sunlight canada is there and just like burns up
0: all while searle is on the radio like begging to know what it's what it feels what is it what do you see i think is what he keeps asking him (laughs) uh because he's a freak man (laughs) a freak. (laughs) and at this point he's like full like sunburn and peeling and gross yeah Uh, And he'll only get worse. (laughs) Yes.
1: Uh, So, yeah. So, Kaneda dies uh, in this instant. He burns up, uh, but he does complete the shield rotation. They have succeeded in what they were trying to do. Even though the ship was trying to rotate them back to its original thing, they did get them done. Correct.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kaneda had to die for it all because uh, Trey? Is
1: that Trey? Yeah, Trey. Benedict Wong. Yes. Which makes Benedict Wong feel so much worse. Right. (laughs) Because
0: at first, they're like, so they're like, okay, we're going to repair it. Right. And they're like, Oh, man. And I think I think Chris Evans, character even says, like, don't kill yourself yet, man. And like pats him on the back. uh, Yeah. Because like it's working at that point until everything goes wrong and the ship assumes control. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And yeah, I think that after that, they sedate him for the rest of the movie.
1: (laughs) He's gone. Uh, Harvey, the communications officer, is now captain. Right. Uh, And it's very clear very quickly that like he's not suited to be captain at all. (laughs) No, he's not in
0: command. He's got no authority.
1: Yeah, it's got nothing. No, nobody respects him. There's there's a great moment where it's like I, I think I'm not sure if it's happened yet or if it's about to happen, but their communications goes down. Like they're, I mean, they're in the dead zone, so they can't communicate anyway. But I think their actual communications tower gets destroyed. Maybe yeah. it's like in this sequence.
0: It yeah, it's that's what is like when because they they turn the ship so they could repair the shields, the communication tower goes out into sunlight and explodes, and that's what reflects the light back into the oxygen garden.
1: Yeah. is the tower. Uh, and there and there's a moment later uh, when they're g- trying to get off of Icarus One to get back on the on the <laughs> yeah. actual ship, uh, and it's Chris Evans and it's Killian Murphy and it's Harvey and Searle. Uh, and they and they can only get one person back, and they're trying to figure out like, well, who should be the one? And Chris Evans is immediately like, well, it's Kappa. He's the one that has to do it, and like even though he hates Kappa for making this happen, like he's also staying on mission. He's the physicist. He has, to, he has to go. And Harvey's like, well, wait, I'm the captain. Aren't I the most important? It's like, you're the communications officer in our ship with no communications. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely burns them, yeah. <laughs> just devastating. <laughs> so, I mean, this movie is like so tense, but also like very funny, I think, at the same yeah, Absolutely. Time. Uh, some great just character humor, and it's great. Uh, yeah, Harvey is now the captain. Uh, they don't have enough oxygen to uh, to get to the payload delivery. Right. Um, so not even just to get back home. They actually don't have enough oxygen to get to the sun to deliver the payload to try to succeed in their mission. And that's when there's, I think, a
0: scene with, uh, it's Michelle Yeoh and Chris Evans and maybe Rosebud, I don't remember. No, not Rose. Uh, anyway, somebody uh, where she's saying Michelle Yo says like, actually, we could at least make it to the payload if three other people die. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then the four four people could make it to the payload and deliver the
1: the bomb at least. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so, but they but they don't do that. They're not electing to kill people just yet. No, um, she's but, just but
0: pointing it out that she's like,
1: just like stating that, and Chris Evans is like, hmm interesting yeah uh, but i think he has like, a line like three people that's a lot of short straws you know something yeah. like that it's a cool line so but also like they kind of realized well like now we have to go to icarus one uh because they might have oxygen on their ship right and we can and we can take that
0: yeah if they're still sending the distress beacon there's a chance that they're still still going you know exactly
1: yeah so they are heading to icarus one uh and they are Uh, You see you see this uh, video of Mark Strong just like kind of been like, I'm on Icarus one. And it's very clear that he's like a little kooky (laughs) in that video. Right.
0: I think that's so there's a there's a it's I think it's earlier in the movie where it's Canada. The captain is watching the like top secret classified like it's like on this like a banner across the screen uh, of his like final video diary where he's saying there was like, they went through like an asteroid storm and it destroyed their shield, but it was beautiful. Like you can tell like something has gone a little bit wrong with him. And then when they get on Icarus one, there's that video that's like the video from uh, uh, Event Horizon
1: <laughs> where it's right. like- old It does dis- kind of turn into Event Horizon
0: for a little bit. It
1: definitely, yeah, it turns
0: into Event Horizon. But he, where he's talking about like, I've seen God and God uh, in the last moments of the universe, uh, whatever, you know, like he's yeah. clearly gone insane. Where we're going,
1: we don't need eyes <laughs> to see. It's one step below that. They, they reach Icarus 1. They get to the ship, uh, yeah. and a few, of them, a few of them stay on board Icarus 2. They have to stay and pilot the ship. Uh, so they like Cassie and Michelle Yeoh, and uh, I think Benedict Wong obviously is sedated. Right. Um, but like, they, they're still on the ship. But uh, Killian Murphy, Chris Evans, uh, Cliff Curtis, and Harvey all go onto Icarus 1 and start exploring, basically. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and there's that. There's like a really great moment, like setup, like just kind of atmosphere where they walk in and it's just all full of dust and it's like just kind of floating everywhere. And I think Searle is like, you know, eighty mm-hmm. percent of dust is uh, dead is dead skin or is human skin cells or whatever. Yeah, uh, and I looked it up. It's it's forty to fifty percent of dust. Okay, <laughs> uh, the rest is we like, got you on that one. Girl. We got you. Yeah, it's <laughs> like animal pet and human hair is the rest. Uh, right, but yeah, but just so that like that moment where they walk in and it's like inches of dust completely taking yeah. everything, and then he drops that line of like eighty percent of dust is is dead skin dead skin. Yeah, you're just like. <laughs> Disgusting.
1: Yeah, put a mask Uh, on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they are exploring Icarus One, and they find a garden. Yeah, Yeah, they do find a garden there, and they are able to get oxygen from it.
0: Right. Yeah, I think he says like seven years of unchecked growth and it's just all completely overgrown and the wind the glass is cracked and everything so yeah there's enough oxygen there for them to take
1: they also discover the uh, payload there which is fully operational they can take their payload
0: and yeah i mean it's just so tense because you know obviously somebody's alive i guess if they're sending the distress signal and all that stuff right uh and they're just no power in the ship and they're just going through it and just you know dark dark security ship i don't know
1: yeah, Dark Scary Ship, uh, for sure. That could also be a good name for this movie, Dark Scary <laughs> Ship. See, they, they they discover the payload's operational. However, the ship can't fly. Right. So they can't actually, like, take the payload, right? Really. like, yeah. they because they, it needs to be attached to the ship and it needs to kind of get sent off. So, uh, yeah, that that's unfortunate. So, really, all they're getting out of this trip is that they can take the oxygen to at least reach... Uh, the sun, not necessarily even to get back, but just to reach the sun, at least
0: that is until all of a sudden the airlock explodes. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Cyril also finds the, uh, the dead bodies of the crew also just throw that out there. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, he finds them on the observation deck, and you can see he's like, hmm. <laughs> um, uh, That's how I want to go, baby. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I, yeah, they're like sort of like Pompeii people, right? They're just like in a yeah. full body ash thing, and uh, he says that it's because the Icarus 2 shield has overlapped with the Icarus 1 shield because they're big giant circles. That's the only reason they're alive now in the observation room. Yeah. He, he can recognize that it's at full full brightness. Um, I guess full yeah. brightness, yeah, and that's where you know he ultimately will die in ten minutes.
1: <laughs> he ultimately will, yeah. So yeah, like you said, the airlock sort of explodes, the ship destabilizes, uh, so Icarus two gets detached from Icarus one uh, and is now kind of floating free, uh, and so they aren't able to reattach, um, but they can sort of like line up like yeah. the ship to Icarus one, and if they're in a spacesuit, they can jump <laughs> from. Right from one ship to the other. Uh unfortunately, there's only one spacesuit on Icarus One. And so the four guys on Icarus One are like, Well, which one of us is gonna get to go back to Icarus two? Uh and Chris Evans is immediately like, Fuck, it's Kappa. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gotta be and, him. And Cyril is like, absolutely it's Kappa too. Like he they're both right on board. Yeah, and and Harvey's like, Wait, what about me? I'm the captain. And like we said, Chris Evans burns the hell out of him. Yeah. But Harvey, I think at this point, uh, like, doesn't he pull a gun or something at uh, No,
0: well, I mean, a verbal gun. Uh, a verbal gun? <laughs> yeah, no, he's like,
1: oh, i your captain, I'm
0: issuing you a direct order to get out of yes. it. Yes, you know, he's, he's just, trying to order them. And just they're just not even looking at him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I love the moment, too, that, like this moment with, like, how hyper-competent everybody is where, where uh, Chris Evans realizes that, like, so they're in the pressurized Icarus 1 when they open the door, they're going to be fired out of the, like when the thing explosively depressurizes, they're going to be fired out the door, out of the airlock. Um, And he's like, well, if we're all here... (laughs) Can't you just fire all of us into the airlock of the Icarus One, <laughs> uh, even though they're not in seats, right? And he's they start. Yeah. that's kind of the thing they go with is they start ripping the insulation out of the wall, yeah. wrapping themselves it, in the blankets and everything.
1: They, they like mummify themselves with the ship's insulation because it's yeah. you know it's uh, it's all like you know that that will protect them long enough to get to the other ship if they get if they get fired out. Right. Uh, but one of them does have to stay behind. Yes. Uh, yeah. To operate the ship to like kind of to like blow the door open, basically. Yeah, yeah, blow the door open, open the airlock, whatever. And so Searle's like, well, all right, I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go kill myself in the observation deck. It's going to be cool. It's going to uh, be neat. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so Searle stays behind. Uh, Harvey and Chris Evans, they both, like, kind of wrap themselves up in insulation. Three, two, one, here we go. They shoot out. Killian Murphy's in the spacesuit. Harvey goes flying off in the other direction. He's dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, like, ba- they, he like clips the wall and gets sent flying off uh, in, a, in a direction. And he dies in such a cool way, like such a, a, well, obviously he freezes to death uh, and that's terrible. But then there's just this, it's basically like Team Rocket. It's just like this huge wide shot of the ship (laughs) and this little white speck just slowly floating towards the edge of the shield. And then it's just like a noise as he just disintegrates.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, fuck you, Harvey incredible. Uh what a way to go out. Um yeah, yeah Har- Harvey dies and then Chris Evans um almost doesn't make it either. Um yes. Kill Kill it like he kind of hits the side and Killian Murphy's able to like kind of grab him and pull him in. Like he's just like basically almost frozen to death himself like just by being out there for like less than 10 seconds. And yeah, when he pulls off the insulation like his hand was exposed and like his hand is like frozen. Like yeah, it's just it got, like, like
0: frostbite immediately,
1: yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Very terrifying. Yeah, real scary.
0: But it's okay, they put a blanket on him. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So he's fine now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fine. And so yeah, so they're in Icarus one now. We've lost Harvey. Uh we've lost Canada. And uh Searle is still or now sorry, Searle's on Icarus one, they're all in Icarus two now. And they're communicating with Searle and he's like, uh, yep, yep. And he just turns up the brightness and goes away.
0: <laughs> yeah, he puts puts his uh puts the sunglasses on and then as Icarus two decouples and leaves. They expose the observation room to the the full brightness of the sun, and he just explodes.
1: So yeah, Cyril is gone. Harvey's gone. Uh, At this point, it's just Rose Byrne, Michelle Yeoh, Killian Murphy, and Chris Evans left on the ship. Half their crew completely gone, and Benedict Wong is still around, but again, sedated. But they discover that the airlock was decoupled manually. Yes, Uh, and they're all like, "Well, how is that possible? Chris Evans and Killian Murphy were on the ship." Like, mm-hmm. they were on Chris One. They couldn't have done it. Uh, so it had to be either Roseburn or Michelle Yeoh, and they were piloting the ship. It couldn't have been them. Yeah. Uh, Trey, Benedict Wong's character, that's that's their conclusion. They assume that it's Benedict Wong. Uh, and they're like, why would, like, Cassie's like, why would they do that? Yeah. Like, why why would he do that? Why would he, like, try to sabotage us even more? And so they kind of have to, they had like, a vote between the four of them, like, should we or should we not kill Trey? Uh, and Michelle Yeoh does bring up, like, well, the oxygen thing we we could all yeah <laughs> we could all survive um
0: yeah and but there is there is even one shot of them i think during all of the panic with the uh airlock and everything there is a shot of Trey like standing in the doorway watching them and he just oh, like really? turns around and walks away so, yeah it's like over his shoulder uh okay. and he's just like kind of watching all of this go on and he turns around and walks away Um, so it, it tells you that he's at least awake before they decide to kill
1: him. Um, Interesting. I didn't notice that. Uh, and, and so it kind of gives you that hint like, oh, maybe it was him or it's just another thing where it's like, he's continuing to blame himself for all the death and devastation that has been caused uh, since his fuck up. Exactly, yeah.
0: And then I guess, you know, I, guess, I mean, my interpretation of that is that uh, what's his name has woken him up, Pinbacker, but I don't, I mean, you know, it's not explained or shown in the movie or anything. That's just how, what I think uh, happened. Okay,
1: interesting. Because, it would be yeah. really fun if, like, you see Pinbacker, like, in the background or something at some point. Maybe, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you do or not, but that would be neat.
0: That'd be cool. Because, yeah, eventually they they decide they're going to kill him Or Chris Evans decides he's going to kill Trey, unanimous vote or not, right? Because at first they're like, it has to be unanimous. Yeah, and Rose Byrne refuses.
1: Yeah, Rose Byrne is the only one who does not vote to kill Trey. Yeah. Um, She's like, you know, I I understand the severity of the mission. You can give me all the logic you want. I'm not going to vote to kill this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so Chris Evans stands up. It's like, well, all right, I got to go kill him. But then when he gets there, he discovers that Trey has already killed himself.
0: Right. Uh, He's already in the VR cube he has killed himself and i love now at this point too in the movie they're all like panting all the time right right because the oxygen's
1: running low yeah the oxygen they, they couldn't get the extra oxygen from icarus one like so they're all just like you know running out of breath
0: <laughs> yeah they're all just wheezing and panting for like the last 15 20 minutes of the movie which is tension inducing uh detail that
1: yeah you know like everything else in this movie <laughs> but now but now that trey is dead theoretically you know even though they can't make it back the four of them can still make it to the sun and deliver the payload. Right. According to Michelle Yeoh's thing, like there is enough oxygen for the four of us to make it. That's what she was saying before. Now there's four of them. Sounds great, right? Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> uh, because Killian Murphy says something to that effect to the computer, Icarus. I- Icarus tells him like, oh, you will not live long enough to deliver the payload. And he's like, what are you talking about? There's four of us. There should be oxygen enough for four people to get there. And the Icarus like, there's a fifth crew member on board. And, Either the music goes like, Bong, and it's like yeah. what? Huh? I- Icarus, say that again. Where is this fifth crew member? And they points into the operation system and he gets there. And there is Mark Strong, captain of the Icarus One, who has gone insane.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's this is so maybe Alex Garland and um, maybe Danny Boyle, but I think more Alex Garland from the three movies I've seen directed sure. by him, written by him, where it's just like, we can't even show you this <laughs> you know like like anytime <laughs> pinbacker is on screen it's this weird uh digital distortion and noise and white noise sound stuff you can't even show him because he's so
1: weird you know like uh yeah i mean my my interpretation was that he is so he has been so uh you know he's he flew too close to the sun. <laughs> um, but, like, he, he's he been so burned up, and, like, the sun has damaged his body to such a degree that, like, his skin is, like, glowing bright. Like, it's, it, you know, one oh, of those things where it's, like, like, you can't, like, it, it hurts to look at this guy like the same way it hurts to stare at the sun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree, definitely. Yeah, it's, like, he he gives us, gives off radiation or distortion field or whatever that, like, it's painful to look at him, but, like. Like within the text of the film, quote unquote, like even the movie can't show us him, you know, like it's like anytime the camera looks at him, it's like (laughs) weird noises and and squiggly lines and shit. Like you can't like, um, so yeah, it's just fast. You know, I'm thinking of like the end of Annihilation where it's like, this is just a orb (laughs) or the end of men where it's eight births in a row
1: or whatever. Um, did you see men? I didn't even know you saw men. I did see men.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think I watched it
1: in December, maybe for like the end of the year wrap up. Doing the catch up, yeah, just to see. Uh, not great. <laughs> I it's know. okay. I, I it's think okay. It's cool. there's some cool sequences in Men. There's yes. some like really good tense horror sequences. Uh, but overall, it doesn't really feel like it's like saying anything. <laughs> no, you know,
0: <laughs> I was really uncomfortable with uh, teenage whatever. Rory Kinnear.
1: Yeah, I, I thought he was great, like, in general. Like, yeah. uh, you know, he's playing, like, 18 different roles and kind of doing a different take on all of them, and that was neat. And Jesse Buckley's always good. But yeah, yeah. men, not Garland's best effort. No. You know, no. Not, you know not, not, it's no Ex Machina or Annihilation or Sunshine for that Or matter.
0: Sunshine, yeah. But but to say, like, I think all of a sudden in the last 15 minutes, they're like, what if
1: it, heady sci-fi, uh,
0: yeah. you know, like, all of a sudden we flip that switch and we can't even show you the image, you know, kind of thing.
1: And I, and I think that's partially like, I think the conceptually that feels very Alex Garland. I think in execution, it feels very Danny Boyle to me. Oh yeah, Uh, it works. I'm Yeah. Right, D- Danny Boyle is a very kinetic filmmaker, like somebody with a lot of like you know, it's a lot of quick cuts, a lot of zooms, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. He kind of throws a lot at the wall uh, whenever he's making a film, uh, and I think in Sunshine, uh, for some of that, it's restrained, uh, but in stuff like this, like it just feels like it's it's very disorienting in a positive way. Yeah, uh, you know, I think, uh, and yeah, I think it feel it feels like kind of the best of both worlds for the two of them. But I think Alex Garland, when I think of him as a director, he seems like a very like assured, like kind of quiet filmmaker, mm. you know, with stuff that's like often scary. I mean, you know, the crazy bear in annihilation and yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, uh, but I think his his camera doesn't like move around as much as as Boyle's does. No.
0: Yeah. And definitely like thinking of the last five or ten minutes of twenty eight days later, I think, uh, where it's like all of a sudden we're like smash cut, freeze frame, like record scratch, freeze frame, like all kinds of crazy shit like that starts happening. Uh yeah. And the last 10 minutes of this movie, all of a sudden smash cuts and freeze frames. And like, we just do every editing technique we can think of. Uh,
1: yep. Yeah. This, honestly, watching this made me want to watch 28 days later again. Um, Cause I haven't seen that movie in a very, very long time. And it's sort of like sunshine. I kind of remember being like, that's pretty good, but there are a couple of sequences in Twenty Eight days later that like really stuck with me. Like the opening where Killian Murphy's just like, you know, alone and you're not yeah. sure. Like he's not, not sure what's happening yet. Uh, and then Brendan Gleeson's death scene is like really, really Man. good. Yeah. Pretty intense. Uh, anyway, Back to sunshine. Mark Strong's here. Oh yeah, (laughs) fucking Mark Strong. Yeah, he's here, and we have he uh, slashes Kappa. You know, he gives like his like evil villain speech, and then like kind of cuts his stomach,
0: which is Uh, funny, really funny. I was thinking about it this time, uh, that moment because Pinbacker is naked. So like, where'd that come? Where'd that come from? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like he could have had it in his pocket or like behind his back or anything. Like,
1: yeah. well, but I, th- I think this is like the jumping-off point for a lot of people with this movie. Uh, fair, uh, fair, yeah. I think this is a big leap. The movie asks the audience to take is like, oh, the the captain of this ship that it crashed is somehow still alive. Yeah, uh, and now now he's Jason Voorhees. <laughs> like that's right. essentially what it's doing. And I, like I said, I think this is the weakest stretch of the movie. I still like it. It's pretty I good. I love it. It's great. Yeah. He's been given sun powers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's that, there's the moment earlier when they first get the distress beacon where they're like, how could they survive? They only had enough food for what a blank amount of time. Uh, and that's where Michelle Yo, I think Michelle Yo says, like, assuming it's still the full crew, you know, like, <laughs> hoo hoo. Uh, so yeah, he's been alone with God, as he says later, uh, right, for seven years, just looking at the sun.
1: Yeah. He probably killed the crew. I mean. Probably. Well, I guess <laughs> yeah. they killed themselves
0: in the observation deck, but.
1: That's true. That's true. Or maybe he was just like, he lured them in there and was like, I'm yeah. going to show you guys a home movie or something. And then just cracked up the brightness. And <laughs> that was it. Just flying. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he is on board. He's slashing Kappa. There's a chase that happens. He's chasing him. We see Michelle Yeoh in her spot and she finds the plants. Uh, she finds like, oh, this one like little plants that like this, this could like reinvigorate the garden. Like we might yeah. have enough oxygen to make it through. And then Pinbacker finds her and he kills her. <laughs> just kills her immediately. Yeah, just like through the back. Like, it's just pretty intense. Yeah.
0: it's gross. And I think he's like, don't struggle or some weird shit in his scary Mark Strong voice. Um, yes.
1: And and while this is all happening, so he, he kills Michelle Yeoh and Killian Murphy is like trying to figure out like how to communicate with somebody. I think he's trying to get in contact with either Cassie or Chris Evans. And while this is all happening, like, the ship is like really close to the sun. Like it's right. It's moving closer and closer and like they're about to like have to deliver the payload like very soon.
0: Yeah, and I think I think Pinbacker traps Kappa in the airlock or something and he like locks yeah. him in
1: a in a
0: room that he can't get out of. And yeah, he eventually communicates uh with I think Chris Evans on the bridge of the ship. Yeah, um, that's right. With, and uh, he's explaining that in a, uh, Evan, Chris Evans's character is just like like literally do whatever you can, you have to deliver the payload <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> whatever it takes. Um yes. because also the computer starts overheating, right? And he's like the yeah. tech
1: guy. Uh, Icarus is offline I think at this point yes I think you're right yeah
0: uh and that it's re- he figures out that somebody has taken the motherboards or whatever out yeah. of the coolant so it's overheating
1: yes yeah and while while it's happening Cassie finds pinbacker she stabs him and so she's like but she's also like running from him there's also this yeah. whole, whole chase going on yeah it's it's all pretty intense he gets the ship back online Chris Evans and then they they get out of orbits and they start pushing. That's like physically push the bomb into the sun.
0: I'm pretty sure this is where it's like one of my favorite moments. Kappa realizes that he can like depressurize all of Icarus too. And he like blow torches, a tiny hole in the door and then blows the airlock door out into space. Yeah. And it just like vacuums the entire ship, like including Michelle Yeoh's body. I don't know if you noticed. Yes. That. Like yes. it's just like the, the dummy, like, ragdolls down the hallway into the camera and it's like the most horrific thing ever um and yeah and then it just fucking explodes basically and he like manually decouples the bomb and just like jumps onto it (laughs) Um, yeah pushes it out gonna ride that thing like slim Pickens, basically
1: yeah and uh uh, chris evans uh freezes to death at this point too yes like his character like he like he falls to the floor and you see his hand like freezing up even more and then he dies
0: yeah, because the ship is uh, the cool – I think it's like liquid nitrogen or something. They, they – yeah. there's some – thank God we invented that cooling thing uh, <laughs> moment. Yeah, so he's just like full body submerged in the liquid nitrogen and then freezes to death. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Kappa releases the bomb. Yo, his body goes flying. They're, they're sending the payload. They have a flashback kind of to the – um like a, ca- a call back to that nightmare that he's talking about, like the only right. dream I ever have is falling into the sun, right? Yeah, uh, and th- and this is when the movie turns into like that 2001: A Space Odyssey, like very trippy, kind of heady sci-fi stuff that Alex Garland really likes to do. <laughs> and so you have this, uh, and so I think you can kind of get away with saying like the last like 15 minutes of this movie, like may or may not have happened like this could all just be like in kappa's subconscious as he's like plummeting into the sun
0: (laughs) yeah well because they get away with it by by like actually doing the like thank god we invented the cigarette machine or whatever um thing earlier where he's like looking at the simulation and icarus tells him like oh probability uh, unclear impossible to do whatever because, like, there's so much pressure and gravity and all that. And Kappa says, like, oh, man, to space and time are going to smear together. There's no way for us to know what will happen.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, so
0: that they can be running around the inside of this bomb. <laughs> um,
1: right. On the surface
0: of the sun and just be like, space and time, I don't know. Yeah. And that's
1: <laughs> sort of what... So it's like Kappa, Cassie, and Pinback are all on, like, this, like, large, flat diamond surface, right? Yeah. And Pinbacker is still, like, trying to chase him, trying to get after him. And Cassie sends Kappa to you know, go do the one last thing that needs to be done uh, so that the bomb can finally explode and go off and turn the sun on. And then he goes to do that.
0: Yeah, because, like, there's the moment, right, where, where Pinbacker is holding Kappa, like, over the edge of this thing. Yeah. And uh, they jump or fall or what? actually they peel the skin off his arm, which is disgusting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: And he drops them. But because gravity in space and time shifts or whatever, like, they're not falling. They get pinned against the side and they're able to stand up and run again. (laughs) It's just like, all right sure (laughs) it's really Um, cool though it's just
1: like it's it's just a lot of like really big visual concepts that are coming together uh in such a way where you're not entirely sure what's going on but you're like along for the ride and you're just kind of like following it and so yeah basically uh, eventually he succeeds he gets the bomb into the sun you know they all burn up in the explosion and you kind of killian murphy as he's like dying in the explosion has this like look of extreme bliss on his face right as the sun's like getting further and further, like he's getting closer and closer to the sun.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it like starts to, it like burns its way into the ship and like it's just kind of like this wall of light that stops right in front of him and he's able to reach out and touch it as the screen fades to white. Ooh, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, and then it's and then it's the sister on Earth or whatever,
1: right? Yeah, you you cut down to Earth and you see, and this is the first glimpse of Earth you've seen this entire movie, and it's very clear that like, oh, Earth is like sort of in like a new ice age or something like this, right? Yeah, like because because the sun is burning out and it's much colder, uh, and so there's snow everywhere and everything, and so you see the sister, you see these two kids, and she's. Uh, watching Killian Murphy's message, like whatever message he sent to her. And it's the same message that he sent to his mom and dad about how, like, you know, if you succeed, uh, if we succeed eight minutes after we do, you'll see the sun get brighter, right? You'll, it'll be a particularly nice day outside. Right. Uh, And she's watching this message. And as she's walking outside, the sun starts to get brighter.
0: Yeah. And I love that it even has like the planet of the apes, like reveal, right? Where like, it's, it's her and her kids. uh, And they're like standing there on the hill, looking up at the sun uh, and then it cuts to like a like a wide shot, and you can see they're like in the harbor where the Sydney Opera House is, but like it's completely frozen over, right? Uh, just so it could be like
1: you blew it all to hell, like as <laughs>
0: you, <know, laughs> so you can see how bad the ice age actually is, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, the sun gets brighter, and the
1: yeah the 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 implication being that they succeeded, uh, they, and they did it, they they did it, uh, and you know, like I said, I, I think you can kind of read the last fifteen minutes of this movie as maybe being in the subconscious of Killian Murphy's character. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say they succeeded. I, I want them to succeed.
0: <laughs> oh, I think they definitely <laughs> succeed. I think it yeah. just is how much is it them running around in a fist fight with pinbacker. <laughs> inside, oh, sure. Inside <laughs> the sun.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And that is sunshine. It cuts the credits from there. Uh, there's a pretty cool song. I forget what it's called, but it's about the sun, yeah. uh, that plays over the credits. Uh, and then the credits also have like a montage of the movie you just watched. Uh, um, what I did you notice what, that? No it's it's it, the credits are off to the side and then like on the left side there's like a screen and it's just showing you like scenes from the movie like in silence because like the music's playing over it uh but it's just showing you the movie again in like short form and like over the course of like four minutes that's wild that's so cool <laughs> it's like in case you missed anything here's yeah here's, here's the, the whole an- movie <laughs> the anti-outtake thing yeah, uh, jackie chan Exactly, uh, and yeah, that that is sunshine. Uh, a movie that uh, I am really glad to have rewatched because I I have done a complete like I like I, said, I thought it was fine when I saw it the first time, but I have done like a complete one eighty on this thing, and I think this is like a true like sci fi masterpiece, like one of the best movies of the last like twenty five years. Hell yeah, uh, it rules! It's so good.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, and I think I think this movie probably didn't wasn't helped by its uh, poster or box art because I remember. This at at uh, Fye when, when I used to work there, I think it was in the horror section. Actually, horror and sci-fi were together, so I'm not exactly sure which one. Uh, sure, but it uh, was definitely just like the crew of the ship, like mid like mid stride uh, on a scaffolding, and it just said like sunshine, like on an angle across it. <laughs> okay, so it's just like nothing about this movie and definitely was like this fucking movie's called Sunshine like what <laughs> yeah. you know like not helped by that
1: it, uh, it, lo- it made it look like the kind of movie where they would say it's a daylight saving time <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah or like
0: just be bad um, right but here
1: we are Sunshine secret masterpiece yeah here we are ha- has has producer Colin seen Sunshine Mike because this feels like a real producer Colin movie
0: oh it for sure is a producer Colin movie um, I don't remember I, I think I might have when I first watched it last year might have texted him and be like, you need to
1: watch this immediately. Um, okay.
0: I feel like I might've done that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, okay.
1: Producer Colin, if you're listening and you haven't seen sunshine, you should watch sunshine. It rule. <laughs> yeah. We just told you
0: the whole movie, but go ahead and watch it anyway.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, all right. So let's get into some letterbox reviews, Mike. Let's see what the people have to say. Oh, I feel sunshine. like they
0: might be divisive or everybody is watched this recently and been like, holy shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would say this. Is, I would say, Mixed to positive for the most oh, part. Okay. I, I think I think I grabbed all positive reviews, actually, pretty much. But yeah, here we go. Here's a four star review from Sophie. Even with his shitty 2000s emo hair, I am still Killian Murphy's bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Killian Murphy's great. I, I was uh, I, uh, recently, I was delighted when he popped up in A, a Quiet Place Part 2. Um, oh, neat. he's like a major supporting character in that movie. He has like his own version of the last of us kind of going on in that movie, cool. uh, which is fun. Um, yeah, he's, he's very good and he's going to be the lead of Oppenheimer, uh, That's right. Chris, Christopher Nolan movie, which looks awesome. So I can't, can't wait for that.
0: I feel like I haven't seen him in a ton lately because I guess he's been on, what is it? 19 seasons of Peaky Blinders. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I have no idea how many seasons that show has, but uh, I guess he's been doing that a lot, but I watched, like, I think I mentioned it maybe on. To no more late fees actually where I watched like the last 45 minutes of red eye, the West Craven movie. You did mention that in no more late fees. Yes. <laughs> he fucking rocks, dude. He's so good.
1: I've never seen it. Never seen red eye. Uh, I think, I think that might be on your list of, uh, movies to make me watch at some point. Uh, maybe it's in the, I the think year it for... was
0: in the past. I don't think I okay. picked it. Um, gotcha. So like, Killy Murphy. Great. Love him.
1: There you go. All right. Kelly Murphy. Uh, here's a three and a half star review from Matt Lynch. I don't entirely disagree with the common complaint that the Climax is unnecessarily muddling. Who needs a serial killer bad guy when outer space itself is already so hostile? But the villain's sun god madness is also an example of the competing threads here of pragmatism and spirituality, and there are numerous other instances of the fallible astronauts being simply unable to rationalize or adapt to the inevitable, beautiful, dreadful power confronting them. Typically for Alex Garland, these surface ideas in the screenplay don't really resolve, but this is punctuated by enough sublime moments like the crew huddled together in awe of Mercury as a nickel sized dot against its star or Michelle Yeoh's character finding a tiny sprout in the burned out greenhouse to maintain a balance between contemplative and exciting. Also, I just think tech heavy space stuff is intrinsically fun.
0: Yeah. I also, uh, recently in the last week or two started playing elite dangerous, uh, which is a video game. That's just like space basically. Okay. Uh, and uh it's it was real fun symmetry to all of a sudden be like oh me put down my space video game and turn over here and watch my space
1: movie.
0: Um, <laughs> space nice. is cool. inherently. space cool. is real
1: cool. Love space. Uh here's a 3-star review from Harley Quinnaby. Every time Chris Evans shaves his beard in a movie, something terrible happens. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the storyline in the third act. That cinematography is what ruined it. But the score is iconic and makes this film memorable. So there's that. <laughs> Fair.
0: It's funny how yeah. much we were singing the praises of the cinematography of the third act.
1: Uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, yeah, it is very
0: off-putting, though.
1: But it, it is very disorienting, for sure. Yeah. But I think very much intentionally so. Uh, here's a five-star review from 1313, Tony the Terror. Love this movie. I love a good horror-tinged sci-fi thriller and nothing like a little doomsday drama to spice it up even more. It may be one of the least plausible sci-fi movies ever made, but it sure is made well and looks gorgeous and terrifying. Love that this starts giving off total Event Horizon vibes in the second half and it works so well. I think it takes a second or more watch to really appreciate it too. I can see someone thinking that plot twist doesn't work because it's so much different than everything that has happened before it, but it really comes together once you know the whole plot. The way the character is always shown as if being squinted at in the sunlight... Kind of fucking brilliant. Chris Evans was a true hero in this before he ever became Captain America. <laughs>
0: Chris Evans. Let him be
1: weird, you know? Yeah. Let, let him do more crazy stuff. The, his, his monologue in Snowpiercer, uh, where he's like, I know that babies taste best. Yeah. It's one of those things I think about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> as if I have to. Yes. That, that, that movie came out the same year as Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Uh, and to see, like, Chris Evans go from that to that uh was a pretty incredible thing.
0: <laughs> I can't believe Disney let him do that. I'm so happy. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, here's a four-star review from Fran Hepner. This is the last one. Plenty scary enough before it's capital S scary, and then it's much less scary. Mark Strong doing the same character he did in Shazam, as far as I can tell. <laughs> huh. Now that you Kay. mention it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is. That is Sunshine, uh, a movie that we both really loved
0: yeah yeah very very happy that we got I had another excuse to watch this movie fucking sunshine
1: yeah great movie uh, and one that we've talked about for a very long time so we gotta wrap this up <laughs> yeah uh, so Mike D where can we find you online this week
0: you can find me at MD film blog on Letterboxd and Twitter uh, if you want to donate to support the show you could do that on our Ko-fi page which is ko-fi.com slash Mike and Mike pods and if you want merch we got merch go uh, go on Redbubble check that out that is Mike and Mike pods Redbubble dot com
1: Yes, it is, and you can find me online at MSmithFilmBlog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Complete CompleteWorksPod. That's W-R-K-S, no O in the word works. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts but comic books and movie news and all that good stuff, including, uh, as Mike mentioned before, No More Late Fees, uh, which we're going to be on pretty soon to talk about about 2003's daredevil uh so there you go i think they've pinned us as like you're the comic book guys now we got
0: <laughs> yeah which is very fun I'm, I'm happy to be that for them yeah it turns out daredevil pretty good watch the director's cut on hulu to for that
1: option okay yeah fair enough uh all right our theme song was created by kyle cullen who you can reach for your own podcast themes at kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com and our logo was designed by mac v or at fearless guard on twitter join us in the next week the complete works where we'll be talking far north Uh, an independent film starring Michelle Yeoh and Sean Bean. Fascinating. What a combo. Uh, Yeah, a movie that uh, I don't think too many people have seen. It seems like a pretty quiet one. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to checking that out. Uh, And remember to check out our other podcast, Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, for all kinds of other movie-related stuff, including recent releases, ranked lists, general discussions, and a lot more. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and thanks for taking it, Yo.